Hello and welcome. Thank you for downloading this week's Sermon and Prayers of Intercession from the English Reformed Church Amsterdam. We hope you will enjoy what you are about to hear and that you will be blessed. Let's pray. Lord, speak your living word and so unite us to Christ and to one another. In his name we pray. Amen. Our reading from the book of the Acts of the Apostles this morning is a favorite for good, broad-minded, liberal people like me. It's all about inclusion. And there are few things more dear to the hearts of good, broad-minded, liberal people like me than inclusion. Think of the story. It's set in a world that, at least in Jewish eyes, was deeply divided. On the one hand, there were the Jews, children of Abraham, children of Moses, who were blessed as God's chosen people. And then on the other hand, there was everyone else, the Gentiles who were a race apart. And that boundary between Jew and Gentile was fiercely policed by the Jews. That's not the way God had planned it, but that's how it had become. And so Jews had certain marks that set them apart as chosen and different. Circumcision, Sabbath-keeping, and especially dietary laws and rules about who you could and could not eat with. As a good Jew, you watched your diet very carefully, and there was no way you could sit down at table with an uncircumcised Gentile. And that's how Jews maintained their distinct identity, by separation and exclusion. And then this happens. Peter has a vision one afternoon of unkosher animals coming down from heaven in a sheet, and a voice commands him to eat, and he is repulsed and revolted at the thought and questions this command. But that back comes the voice, what God has made clean you must not call profane. And the next thing, Peter is sent to some Gentiles in Joppa to whom he preaches and the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they believe and Peter breaks bread with them even though they are uncircumcised. There is trouble, however, at church headquarters in Jerusalem. What is going on down there in Joppa? And a crucial issue is being addressed here. Do Gentiles have to become Jews in order to become Christians? Do males need to be circumcised and to obey food laws? Or in other words, is Christianity going to remain a Jewish sect, or is it going to become a global religion? And everything would have been different if Peter had not stood up to the church leaders in Jerusalem. And so this story can be read as a triumph for inclusion, as walls are being broken down and the formerly excluded are being welcomed in unconditionally. 
And that is a message that needs to be heard time and time again as the church is notorious for excluding certain people and putting up walls and barriers and making conditions. And so we liberals love this passage. There is, however, one problem. That reading of the story misses out one key ingredient. It ignores one vital little word that almost manages to slip out of the passage as it comes right at the end, and that word is repentance. And so the conclusion to this passage is not everyone is welcome to come in. The conclusion is not now even the Gentiles are included. The conclusion is now even the Gentiles are included in the offer of repentance that leads to life. And this is a reminder that entrance into the realm of God is always through repentance. As Jesus put it, as John the Baptist did before him, repent, for the kingdom of God has drawn near. And here in Acts, Gentile inclusion therefore hinges on Gentile repentance. Now I can hear some of you saying to yourselves, oh no, here we go repent. And this is not the kind of faith that we've signed up for, and we've had more than enough of it. Do us a favor. And I get that. The way repentance has been preached has often been legalistic, moralistic, and joyless, and has lost all contact with its biblical moorings. Repentance has been proclaimed with a pointed finger and by people who are very good at telling everybody else what's wrong in their lives. And it's usually preoccupied with certain sins, usually anything associated with fun, pleasure, or weakness. But all the more reason to retrieve a right sense of repentance. For when it is preached in the service of the gospel, it leads to life and liberation, and it is to be celebrated. So what is repentance all about? And I would suggest to you that it is not about saying sorry for things you've done. And it's not primarily about changing your behavior and eradicating certain sins from your life. That may come, but that's not the first thing. Repentance begins with a change of perspective, with learning to see and to imagine the world differently. And without a change of vision, without a new way of seeing, the summons to repent is legalistic and dreary and deathly. So the issue here between Jew and Gentiles comes down to how Gentiles were seen, how they were viewed. I'm reminded of the struggle to abolish slavery in Victorian times in Great Britain, when in support of the abolition cause, 
A great industrialist named Josiah Wedgwood produced pottery medallions. And those medallions featured a slave with manacled hands stretched out, out and underneath the words, Am I not a man and a brother? Now, the mass production of that medallion had a significant effect on the abolition cause because it enabled people to see differently. No longer were slaves semi-human, inferior beings the way the Jews had come to see the Gentiles, but they became human brothers and sisters. Given the vested interests of the powerful who benefited from slavery, you could argue on rational or moral grounds until you were blue in the face with absolutely no impact. But radical change, repentance came from viewing slaves differently, seeing them as human. And no wonder, therefore, that Peter's command to reach out to the Gentiles begins with a vision. That sheet coming down out of heaven. As change, repentance is processed through vision and imagination. And no wonder Jesus' message of repentance was associated with the healing of the blind. And no wonder that just a few chapters previously in the book of Acts, we have read of the conversion of a fierce enemy of the early church called Paul, and it was accompanied by a vision and by a light that blinded him. Because the move from Jewish zealot to the missionary to the Gentiles that Paul became involved his eyes being wiped clean and reset. And therefore, the cry of repentance from the heart of the Christian is not primarily, woe is me, I'm such a wretched sinner, but Lord, open my eyes that I may see. And of course, great art can help us here. Music and poetry and painting and dance and sculpture. This week, I've had the pleasure of seeing the exhibition of the British art artist David Hockney at the Van Gogh Museum, where Hockney acknowledges his debt to Van Gogh. And Hockney extols the way Van Gogh saw, the way he envisaged the world through a sunflower or a chair or a blade of grass. And I am no art expert, but I find myself deeply moved by the way Van Gogh views the world. The figures in his painting are invested with a dignity and a nobility even in their poverty. There is something lovable about them. 
And Van Gogh's use of color and his attention to detail seems to me to envisage a world where Solomon in all his pomp is cheap and tawdry compared to the glory of a cornfield on a summer's day. This is a world that is suffused by grace. And until we learn to see the world that way, we will not understand repentance and things will not radically change. So how do we come to re-envisage the world? Well, let me suggest this to you. A change of perspective a change of vision comes from changing the story we live by. Stories, not arguments, change lives. And so Jesus' message of repentance was accompanied by those odd stories he told. We call them parables. And a parable is a story that results in seeing the world differently in the light of God. And Peter, of course, in our reading, is immersed in a story, the biblical story of Israel. But that story needs now to be changed in the light of the extraordinary twist that has taken place in the coming of Jesus. The old story needs re-reading, and this was the struggle of the early church and the leaders in Jerusalem, to read the story afresh. If I can return to the theme that I took up at Easter, the world today is in dire need of a new story, or rather, a new and fresh reading of an old story. We have cut loose from the biblical story that shaped our civilization for centuries. Not always well, for we have often been guilty of serious misreading. But instead of retrieving that story and reclaiming it, we have jettisoned it and replaced it with a godless, human-centered story that is trumpeted as being very enlightened, but which simply does not have the capacity to sustain human life. Without the narrative of a divine parent we have lost the basis for seeing one another as brothers and sisters as Josiah Wedgwood did. And with only the story of evolution to live by, we resist the triumph of the strongest and the fittest. And without the story of a creator God, we plunder nature and we eliminate species and even the deepest, darkest depths of the ocean are littered with plastic bags. The pseudo-story we live by is killing us. And the crucible of repentance, the in engine of change, is not the soapbox where sins are denounced. The crucible of repentance is liturgy, worship, what we are doing here and now.
Because here in worship, these old, strange stories are retold again and again, and life breathed into them, often odd and disturbing stories. And here, rituals are performed that embody these stories. And here, they are transposed into songs. And through all this, we find ourselves glimpsing a strange new world, pervaded by a strange God who has created us in love and redeemed us in grace and who we can never fathom, but who we can learn to trust. And when liturgy does its work, we leave this place with our eyes cleansed and refocused, our imagination refreshed, and we are changed and the world can be changed. That's how repentance works. In a moment, we'll sing an old hymn from a bygone era whose words came to me as I was thinking about this sermon. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. It's a song that speaks of vision and of story. Visions of rapture burst on my sight, it proclaims, and then the chorus, this is my story. The good news is that God gives us a new story that purges our imagination, and with it, a new vision of the world. And that is the heart of repentance that is now offered to all, Jew and Gentile. And God knows our world needs it. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and living God, we give thanks today for this world and all its creatures that you have made and that you love so much. We give thanks for all that is good and true and beautiful. We praise you for every victory over life, of life over death, of reconciliation over conflict, of forgiveness over vengeance and resentment, every overcoming of barriers and divisions, Yet we know that our world still needs change. It needs to repent and open up to your rule of love and unity. We pray for peace in the world, particularly for relaxation of the tensions between the USA and Iran. Oh God, prevent us from rushing to war and help us to learn from past mistakes. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And God, open our eyes, we pray, to see your world and all our fellow creatures as your handiwork, the beautifully crafted theater of your glory. Save us from self-destruction the trashing of our environment, the elimination of countless species, our unsustainable habits of overconsumption and selfishness. 
O God, change our hearts and bring us to our right minds of humble stewardship and bring Sabbath rest to the weary natural world so that it may be revived and renewed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And God, we pray for your church. You have commanded us to love one another and said that we will be known as your disciples by our love for one another. O God, unite us in mission and in the proclamation of the gospel and help us to put love into action towards the vulnerable, the needy, and the oppressed. We also pray today for the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland that begins this weekend and runs through the coming week. Bless the moderator who presides over the proceedings. Give wisdom and discernment as important matters are debated. And we pray for the renewal of your church and for a fresh anointing with your spirit. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And as we have read this morning about the overcoming of the division between Jew and Gentile, we pause for a moment to think of those with whom we need to seek reconciliation, of those with whom we are not at peace, of those who have offended us or whom we have offended. O oh God, make us peacemakers for the sake of the coming of your kingdom. And we pray, we thank you for the lives of our dear friends that have passed away from here and for receiving them in your eternal glory where we may expect to see them again. And we pray for the sick, the troubled and the recently bereaved. Come Lord and minister healing comfort and peace to all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. 